your mental filter is really important. Like it's like a water filter. You're putting all these thoughts through some sort of filter that literally only you have access to. And if you find yourself looking at the negative of situations, I feel like your filter might need to be changed. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm EC in the place to be. What's up? How's it going? What's up, homie? Yeah, no, Wu-Tang. Oh God. Yeah. Um, How are you today? I'm feeling great. I feel good. It's been a long day. Mm-hmm. Not a long day in a bad way, but just a long day that we've just been busy and spending a lot of time looking at each other's faces mm, and looking you know. at you. Oh, see, this is, <laughs> we're already starting off wrong. Just kidding, honey. No, um, we've been on calls all day long. And yeah. so I, I got to say, we're filming this, recording this, and I feel a little drained right now. Well, you took an excedrin today. Okay. Okay. And anytime my wife woke up with my, a headache, she woke up with a headache. Anytime mm-hmm. my wife, drugs herself with Excedrin, she gets this an enormous amount of energy. Because if you didn't know, Excedrin is like packing the punch with caffeine. It's better than a Mountain so Dew and all, On all of our calls, she was like on 1,000. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and just let her keep going. Sorry about that. And then I, I didn't have any coffee today, though. You didn't have to have any coffee. I know. I did have iced tea. Okay, I got something. Okay. One of my favorite things right now is the Starbucks Oleato coffee. It's yeah. got olive oil in it. And I'm just going to put all my business out there. I have a tough time being regular, going to the restroom. You've told people this before. And this Oleato, um, I went into Starbucks. It was like on a Sunday. I wanted coffee. And it's my one like cheap coffee day. And the girl said, oh, have you tried our Oleato? It has olive oil. And I said, no, I haven't. Is it like mct oil no it's Mm. olive oil but is it like a bulletproof coffee she's like just try it i'll make you a little sample it was the best thing i ever had (laughs) so i got a venti oleato coffee and i will say i went to the restroom with ease and it was great it wasn't like a disgusting go to the restroom but i'm bringing this up because i just saw on instagram that people are going crazy saying it's making them shit like crazy so if you have uh, a problem yeah then I think it will be helpful. Right. But if you don't, then it might be scary to try. Well, it's interesting because I wonder what is the statistic amount of the amount of Americans that struggle with digestive you know, digestive mm-hmm. bowel movements, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what it is. Because you're so, super regular and yeah, I am not. Right. And so, so I wonder what would happen though if you had it. Yeah. I don't you, want, it'd yeah, be over for Yeah, you. I don't need it. Yeah. I don't need it because um, that would be. But does coffee make you go to the bathroom? Because it's already like, um, what do you call it, diuretic? Um, I don't think so. No, because mm-hmm. when I have coffee, I don't have that problem. But, you know, what's funny what goes in alignment with that is we would, t- uh, you know, Kayla came home for a little bit, our daughter who lives in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about the fact that 
she does not have a male friend that has not shit on themselves at some point <laughs> in their like early late teens and early adult years. Right. And, they and I thought that funny. was <laughs> I thought that was outrageous. Right. Right. So, that, so and they talk about it. She said they talk about it so casually. Like, yeah, oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. That, remember that time I shit my pants. Right. And they think it's so normal. Right. So have you, Eddie Copeland, ever shit your pants? Not in my conscious years. but you do have a family member that has shit themselves oh yeah yeah Uh, who shall remain anonymous no it was my uh, stepbrother austin (laughs) he shit himself when we were like in like high school like no junior high school oh my god you guys eddie's rule is that (sighs) if you don't listen to the podcast you're you're open yeah you know and if i get a phone call i'm glad you know nice to talk to you it's good good to catch up but okay so austin shit his pants when he was how old he was definitely had to be when did you start high school? Fourteen. Mm, yes. So it probably was like maybe like the summer before that. So he was fourteen. That's so wrong. Fourteen. That you put that on four, air. Fourteen, fifteen years old. Okay. Yeah. And you know, was, the worst thing is he was. We were playing basketball, and like he wanted to leave a little bit early. And mind you, he was like wearing, I don't know, he was wearing my pants. Uh-huh. And so the reason why I'm so bent out of shape and I don't care who I'm putting out there <laughs> is because it was my pants he was wearing. And he shit in my pants, and it came out looking like <laughs> like ground turkey. It was horrible. Oh my god! It was a horrible, Can we horrible. Change horrible. the subject, please. You're the one who brought up all the I, shitty news. Yeah, <laughs> the shitty news. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't. How do you pivot? You I, need okay, to... so I have a what in the world. Okay, so me, me, you, and our girls, mm-hmm. we struggle with an ailment. All an, of us, an ailment, an ailment. Okay, and this ailment is seldom talked about. Mm-hmm. Which is a problem, which I think that we need to do a better job in this society. Mm-hmm. But as you've, you know, struggle with bowel movements and moving uh-huh. things around. You and the girls we, all have the same. Yeah, we all struggle with this thing called sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Now, mind you, before the internet, I had no idea that this was a common thing. Mm-hmm. I thought I was struggling alone. Right. Right. And in isolation. Mm-hmm. And this, to give you some idea, sleep paralysis is basically when like, you're half asleep, but half awake. So your body went to sleep, but your mind wakes up first. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you can't Do your move. eyeballs wake up too? Well, it feels like it. I think you're seeing like your third eye or something because I have no clue. Okay. But it feels like you can see slightly, right? So like you can kind of like glance, like you're, you're looking through your eyelids or like maybe you're like looking through the small little opening in your eyelids. Mm-hmm. And one day years ago, I brought this up to the girls and they go, They've all looked at me with like these eyes. Oh my, oh my God. I have that too. Yeah. And we looked it up and because of the internet, we were able to find out that it's called sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and it's, it's genetic. Yeah. You gave it to all of our A hundred percent. Yeah. And so, you know, you sit there and you wait, your mind wakes up and you can't move. And so it's the most scariest thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, and for many years, I had animosity towards you because you never helped me. And if you ever mm-hmm. struggle with sleep paralysis... All you want is someone to shake you and wake you up and to save you. And so like you wake up, like in your mind, you have been grunting and moaning and trying to get someone to help you because you can't speak. Mm -hmm. And so our daughter texted us and said she she was taking a nap uh and her roommate happened to be taking a nap on the opposite couch. Can I read the text? Okay, so Kayla sends this text. She sends this at 5 a.m. our time. She says, guys. 
Mari just witnessed me have sleep paralysis and she actually shook me out of it. It's so bizarre. She said that I looked like I was having a seizure. Oh my God, right? So then Eddie says, oh my God, she's heaven sent, literally. Even though I wasn't the one that was saved, I feel seen. We've been looking for a savior and now we finally found Mari. Although none of us have been saved, I'm so happy that you have Kayla. That's from Jasmine, her sister. And then Kayla says, we were taking a nap and I started having sleep paralysis and then I started shaking and trying to make noise and she actually noticed me and she got up and was like, Kayla, are you okay? And then in my mind, I was secretly begging for her to grab my hand and she did, guys. Oh my God. And then so you said... Did you cry out of joy? I would have. That is a special moment. Kayla says, it definitely brought us closer together. So my husband is responding while oh being mad at me yeah. because I have never once saved him from sleep paralysis. Savior. And so Mari's the only one that sleeps sleep paralysis yeah, or that I don't, speaks sleep paralysis. I don't wish sleep paralysis on anyone but you. And the only that reason, is no, so no, rude. Let me just explain. <gasps> I just want, just one time, just one time, I want you to feel <sighs> what it feels like to have sleep paralysis <gasps> so that you know how I have felt for many years that you have not come All to my safe. secret anxiety and <laughs> angst and resentment that you carry towards me because of some ailment And that... it didn't fuster up until Mari saved Kayla. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you actually can be saved. <gasps> that means that... My I'm wife just should not have been, paying attention yeah, to you. Pay attention. If she looks wow. like if I look like I'm having a seizure, I'm having sleep paralysis okay. to save me. Never one time <laughs> have I woken up, glanced over at you, and you're doing any sort of twitching. I seizing, check on you all nothing. the time. Uh, every time I wake up, I look at you, okay. and make sure you're For safe. For the record, <laughs> when was the last time you had sleep paralysis? It's oh, been I, okay. several years. Okay, so. Mind you, sleep paralysis. You act like this happens like every five days. Sleep paralysis is so like. It's what? so impactful in my life. Do okay. I? I do not take naps. Okay. So sleep paralysis usually happens when you take a nap. When you take a nap for during the, girls the day, also during the day. So he avoids or, naps like the plague. Or mm -hmm. or when you wake up in the morning and it's daylight and you go back to sleep. So this is why I do not hit the snooze button because mm -hmm. I don't want no part of kind of being awake, kind of not being awake. And sitting there struggling in silence while you sleep in peaceful slum slumber, <laughs> and I'm in a torture chamber trying to find a way so, out. So, okay, so that we're clear, when you are experiencing sleep paralysis, yeah, it's not like you're being attacked. It's not like someone's uh, coming for you. It's just that you wake up, you panic because you know that you're sleeping. But you're mad because you're still sleeping, but you're awake. So why don't you just take your ass back to bed? No, no, no it's not that simple. But why do you this have to panic? This is why you panic? need to experience. Right. This is why you need so to why did the panic if you know that it's sleep paralysis? Like, why because, can't you force yourself to go back to bed? Okay, because you're not you know, so much in the most conscious state. Mm -hmm. 
You know what's happening. Okay. Right? So go back to bed. It's not that simple. Mm. You have awakened. Your mind is like awake. Mm-hmm. But you're, you because you are paralyzed, you can't even open your eyes. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is try to make sounds. But like, I'm saying, why like, fight it? Why do you have to fight it? Because you're. it's terrifying. Okay. When I have a good dream and I wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I get back in bed and I go, go back to that dream. Go back to that dream. And I make myself like go back to the dream. Yeah. Right. See, this is you what. You wake up and you're like, people, oh, my God, the, the, I'm still sleeping. Oh, my God, empathy, I need somebody to save me. The lack of empathy is why you need to go I, through it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's so wrong that you would wish it upon me <laughs> since it's the worst thing that you experience. But I'm more, I, you, I you be won't upset that you, you gave it to our kids. You won't die. It will feel like you're dying. Well, then why <laughs> make a big deal out of it? Because when it happens, it is so significant. Could it be because you're a control freak? No, you just want to move. Like, I could not understand how it feels to be paralyzed, but mm-hmm. I th- I think this is the closest thing I'm going to get to it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, oh, I pray yeah. to God, right? But to wake up and you can't move your limbs mm-hmm. and, you, and it just all of a sudden it puts you it. into this place of like, and then you have to use all your might. Mm-hmm. And so you're like- To break Ugh! yourself free from it. And then like you try to break free. So you are trapped. Okay. Back to my question. It's like a, it's, when was the last time you experienced this? It has been years. No, I'm sure it happened. No, like, it's like, been years. Yeah, it's been years. I don't tell you every time it happens. Yeah, right. It, cause I, cause yeah, I get, right. I get you this tell me response. everything because I, I get this response. No, you don't. This is the this first is, time we've ever really talked about it. And this is the first time you're telling me you want it. You're wishing it upon me. No, I just want you, you to have resentment. I have. I want you to experience. You it. know what? Go move in with Kayla and Mari. <laughs> That's what you need to do. You know what? I just know that Mari will save my life. Oh my uh, gosh! So, um, so that's my what in the world. I just wish that one day, at some point, you would save me like Mari saved Kayla. You're rude and ridiculous. So you good. just are, <laughs> but I still love you. So, moving on today, what are we talking about? We're thinking We're about traps. We're talking about mind traps. <laughs> We're thinking about traps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sleep well, this is a trap. This is a, yeah. Your sleep paralysis <laughs> is a trap. It is. And I have negated all positive things and thought about the negative when it comes to <sighs> sleep paralysis. But yeah, this is an interesting thing. Uh, you want to tell like a quick story? Or no, you, no, you tell it. Oh, fine. I will. You do it. Fine. So as many of you may know, we do some coaching. We have we coach students. We, co- we coach people who own businesses. And on these coaching calls, we have a lot of dialogue around uh, mindset and, and, and personal development. And a lot of times people are kind of giving us an update of what's going on in their life. So we had a student that, um, you know, has had some amazing accomplishments, mm-hmm. right? And has had an, built an amazing following and does amazing work. Mm-hmm. And that's why people follow because she creates things of, of high of high quality and high value. And she created some opportunities for herself where she got invited to attend these great events and right. just be in the room where then she started to kind of experience imposter syndrome, right? Right. And then And so she she was sharing how being in this room, being affiliate to this big, you know, amazing uh opportunity that you have to get invited to come. Mm-hmm. It's not like you just barged in and you don't belong right. there, right? People have called upon you because they find what you do significant. There's some value then, in inviting you to this event. Uh, right. And then when people invite you to things and it's a, from business, they think that you can contribute and, mm-hmm. they, and they wouldn't invite you and waste the time they don't think. Right. But in the, our conversation with her and her talking about it, 
like this imposter syndrome, which is a what we'll we'll talk about a little bit, is a thinking trap, mm-hmm. kind of crept in and kind of consumed her in that moment. And mm-hmm. so in that moment was not able to feel like they belonged, mm-hmm. right? Even though they were invited, they felt like these people belong here, but I I don't necessarily mm-hmm. belong here. And that can be a powerful thing. It could be something that really plagues you throughout life and can hold you back and put you in a place where you can feel stuck, mm-hmm. right? And so we we talked about this, and this has kind of sparked this conversation for this episode where we wanted to talk about um, something that's characterized or called thinking traps. Mm-hmm. And so thinking traps are just that. Like, it's a booby it's, trap, it's, but it's <laughs> exactly. like a mental booby trap. It's a mental booby trap that um, we often experience throughout life. Is that appropriate? A booby trap? Well, booby traps, yeah, I guess. But is it a booby like a breast? What is a booby? Do you know? I, I don't know. Okay. You know, well, maybe something here we are. As Americans, living through we, we 40 stole. something years and we don't know what a booby trap is. <laughs> right. It's just a funny word. Yeah, I've been 40 years of sleep paralysis and never been saved. So it wouldn't be the first time. Anyways. Something- <laughs> so we have these mental booby traps right. that wind up basically, I don't want to say paralyzing us because that might be triggering for you. Right. But they wind up stifling us and they wind up kind of taking over some moments that maybe we've earned some accomplishments that maybe we've worked really hard for. And so before we get into some of these mental thinking traps, what about someone who can't relate to that? Like, Mm. well, I can't relate to having thousands of followers. I can't relate to being invited to something really exclusive. So I haven't experienced imposter syndrome like that. Right. So you may not necessarily experience imposter syndrome in your current state, but you've probably experienced some other thinking trap, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe the lack of success in certain situations you have kind of broad brushed and painted as un- in a, as an unsuccessful life mm-hmm. or you have not been successful for right. the year. And- or you're just not where you want to be. You could be stuck in a rut somehow. And we're going to go over these seven different thinking traps to see if maybe these traps, these booby traps are what's keeping you stuck. Yeah. And I think it's important part of solving it is knowing that you're doing it, mm-hmm. right? Because if you can say, okay, that, you know, that, that's not accurate thinking. And and that's what ultimately, as we go through this list, what we hope for you is that you get more accurate with your thinking so that your emotions become more accurate about what you're actually experiencing. Or if you're going down spiraling that you can catch yourself before it's too late. Yeah. So I had a friend that I was trying to explain this to like, you have to stop the negative thoughts. Like you have to see them, experience them, and then say, okay, I chose to think that way. Now let me choose a different thought. Right. And she's like, I can't control my thoughts. I'm like, well, you can actually. You have to start noticing the thoughts that come up and then you have to try to redirect them into like, an example would be number one of the thinking trap is you have an all or nothing mentality, mm-hmm. right? So explain what that is. And then we'll talk about like, if you start to experience this, what's another way you can kind of turn it to where when you experience it, you think it, you notice that you're doing it, you have to do something different. Yeah. You said something I think is super powerful because I think people would agree with a portion of what you said. I can't change my thinking. Right. I can't control my thinking. Right. right? And that may be true to a certain extent, right? Because 
every thought that comes into our minds, we don't control, mm -hmm. right? Thoughts are more random than anything else, right? And it's really the second and third thought that really matters because you may see something, you may have a really awful thought, mm -hmm. and then you got to say, check yourself and you got to, okay, now the next thought is more in, in like altering or reframing your original thinking. Can right? I say that happens to me all the time? A hundred percent. I mean, is it for you? Like the first thought that comes to mind right now, tell me what it is. I'll tell you what mine is. Like, we have daughters that are going to college overseas. Any single time I mention that my kids go to college in another country, every single time the response is the same. Oh my God, that's so scary. What if something happens to them? And I'm like, no, it's not scary. Something could happen anywhere, right? right? And I will say that now that Jordan, our youngest, is going to be moving to London, I'm like very conscious of if we're walking down the street, I'm like, pay attention, make sure, <laughs> like, make sure you know what's going on, your surroundings, right. right? And it's not that I'm thinking, oh my God, she's going to get killed in London. It's that now it's kind of unconsciously uh, rearing its head in my subconscious. It's like coming out like, oh, am I, is my first instinct now to think that she has to protect herself right. from all this evil. That she's in danger. And the point I'm trying to make is I don't like that. Right. So like, damn all of you that put that in my head. But now it is kind of rearing its ugly head. And every time I think it, I say to myself, God, thank you so much for keeping my children safe. Thank you mm. so much for enabling them to be aware of their surroundings. This gives me like a, a reminder to talk to them again about like, don't go for a run at night wearing your stupid AirPods, like just parent them as best I can. And please keep my daughter safe. Yeah. That's all I can do. So what you just said right now is a game changer. I can't maybe control the thought from coming because now it's been unconsciously planted, right? But now when it comes up, I can go to the second and the third and the fourth thought, which can be really helpful. Yeah, and those are, I think, more in line of controlling or, or rethinking the first yeah. thought. Mm -hmm. And I think that the problem that I think most people run into is they judge that first thought. Mm -hmm. Like they judge that thought as either being true. Stupid, stupid, Right? Stupid. <laughs> they judge it as like, like sometimes people don't have really positive thinking about themselves, mm -hmm. right? Oh, I and look so fat. Right. And so then they judge themselves as that being true. Or they judge the fact that they are negative to themselves, yeah. right? And so then they go on this spiral, this like this path of which now my first thought is judged. And now since I judged it as my reality, then I constantly fulfill that and, and I confirm it. Yeah. Right. And so I that's a, so that's one of the the thinking traps is the confirmation right. bias, right? Of like, I first thought this, whether it's true or not, I gave it validation. I judged it as being true. And then I look for every single moment in my life where it is true. Mm, validating your thought. Right. Instead yeah. of second guessing it and saying, is that really accurate? Right. Right. Okay. So, well, what's your thought? What is a thought for you that comes up that an example of something that comes up and you say, I have to redirect that? I think the same thing for the girls. Like when I think about them, I want them to be safe. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, then my next, next thought is I know they're going to be safe. I want them to take advantage of this opportunity mm -hmm. right and so those are my kind of thoughts that i move to but um yeah i mean i think that when i think of the girls my first thought is will they be able to provide a life for themselves mm -hmm. take care of themselves will they be able to take care of themselves and that becomes like my thought and then i can if i wanted to you i can obsess i can obsess and, and i can spiral. spiral and then it can move me and that's the biggest thing it can move me to saying and acting in a way that doesn't trust that we have done a really good job with them, 
but it also doesn't give them the like, trust in their ability to have autonomy over their life yeah. to make good decisions. Like another example lately, I've been thinking like every time we're with Jordan, she's our last kid. We have so much fun with her. Every time I'm like, I could make myself really sad right now by thinking of the fact that she's going to be moving soon and telling her how sad I'm going to be when she goes. And then my second thought is, well, why would I project that on her? Like right. this is going to be Give her a that beautiful weight. adventure for all of us. The last thing I want is to guilt my daughter into thinking that we're going to be broken without her. So now she questions whether she should go and she feels guilty and she feels like, my parents are not going to be okay. They're going to miss me. Maybe I should stay. And so I just think that it's very healthy for you to find the negative thought and mm. then ask yourself, is this helpful or can I change the thought or that. like have better conversations with yourself? So let's dive into the first thinking yeah. trap. The first booby trap is all or nothing thinking. So all or nothing thinking is to remove nuance, mm -hmm. right? And so nuance is kind of giving things an understanding that can be a gray and there's context that's important to every situation that you run into. But we see this often in our political world, right? You know, we've so divided as a country that we see if you are a Republican, that means that you're against certain things that, that are social. Um, Abortion. Right. Or justice like you could be a person that says hey i am democrat but i am against these things mm -hmm. that may be pillars in the republican party right like we have gotten to a place where we want to oversimplify by using an all or nothing thinking to put people in boxes and we forget about the nuances mm -hmm. which forces our politicians to not be nuanced mm -hmm. which forces them to be hard liners on yeah. left issues and hard liners on right issues instead of it being something where Hey, I'm kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Uh, like, so those are things that they do that. But also, it, it, more towards like your personal, you may say, you if may I don't go ahead, I was just going to say, you're either a complete success or a complete failure. Right. So, right. all or nothing is like, uh, and it could be like if you waver, like one day you feel like you're great and I'm a complete success and everything I do touches, turns to gold. And then another day something bad happens and now you're a complete failure. Right. And like a good one is this one, like someone who doesn't get a promotion at work may conclude that they're a failure at their job, but not only that, they're a failure in life. Yeah. Right. And that happens so often. Yeah. Someone doesn't get something. And not only that, they went into it with an all or nothing. Like, yeah. if I don't get this, ugh, I don't know what I'm yeah. going to do. And the reality is, is when you go to interview for a position, there's a likelihood of you not getting that position. A hundred percent. And so if you're tying this all or nothing thought into how well you're going to perform in this interview, you're probably not going to show up as your best self. And then if you're tying all these emotions around what happens if you are, you know, don't get it then you're like setting yourself up for this catastrophic disappointment. Right. And I think it's it's really black and white thinking, mm -hmm. right? It's like it, you think things are one either this way or that way. And I think that this impacts a lot of places. It impacts your decision making. It can impact how you build relationships with people. Because if you think, you know, because a person believes in something that you can't be their friend because they don't have, they don't believe in everything you believe in, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Second thinking trap is overgeneralization. Mm. This is what? 
let's say that you've experienced a type of food and you hated that food. Like, oh, I tried Indian food for the first time and it turns out I hate Indian food. Never, ever going to have it again. Right. All Indian food's terrible. It's not something I like. So you never, ever try it again. Well, maybe the Indian food that you had just wasn't the best. Right. So you overgeneralize and say like, oh, that's the shittiest food ever. I didn't mean to pick on Indian food. No, but like let's just Indian say this because we know – some interesting people out there, and if this offends you, don't eat vegetables. vegetables right? If what you're is, a grown ass person people? and you don't eat vegetables as an adult, I need to know how and why. <laughs> First of all, how do you go to the bathroom? Second of all, like what happened? Was it a parenting issue? Did you not? I know you're gonna say, "Well, I don't like the texture. Right. I don't like the taste of it." Did no one ever make good Brussels sprouts for you? Because I don't know a soul who doesn't like Brussels sprouts from BJ's. Like right. those are so good. They're fried. You fry any vegetable, it's good. But we are meeting lately so many adults that don't eat, ve- and they like say they claim it. Oh, I don't do vegetables. What does your bowel system do? Honestly, I think their insides look different than mine. (laughs) I just do. I think that. So that's an overgeneralization. Exactly. Like all vegetables are terrible. I do not eat those. And then it's overgeneralization for us to say that all people who don't eat vegetables are Are unhealthy. Are terrible people. (laughs) Yes. But I think that this could be really big in your life because you're taking two separate situations or Mm -hmm. two separate things that may happen or circumstances and you say that they're alike. Or it could or be a few. Same. So here's an example. Women do this all the time. You have a few bad relationships. They didn't work out. He wasn't the love of your life. Right. And now there are no good men on the planet. Right. That is an overgeneralization. I also think that you get what you manifest. And so if you constantly are guilty of overgeneralizing, like, oh, because I dated two pricks, then there are no good men out there. Right. And then you're not going to attract a good man either. Another example of overgeneralization is like if I take a history test, which I history is not my favorite subject, right? right. And I don't do well on it. I'm like, oh, I told you I hate history. I suck at history. And you start to like badger yourself over it. Right. No, maybe you just were tired this week and you didn't apply the proper resources or attention you needed to do well on that test. It doesn't mean history's terrible. You're bad at it. You suck. It's just an overgeneralization. Yeah. And I think we see this really often often as stereotypes, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes you may stereotype a person, an ethnicity, a group, or situations, and you can live your life with the stereotype and it overgeneralizes yeah. and you can miss out on some really special people. You can miss out on some very special food. And then obviously like the dating one, you can not get your, the, the love of your life because yeah. you've overgeneralized, you know, whatever you learned. Yeah. Right. Here's so, a question. Yeah. Are there certain stereotypes that are true? I think every stereotype has some type of of ground and facts. Some sort of truth. Some type of truth, right? That's why it's funny. (laughs) Right. Because you always say that. You're like, the reason why, you know, comedy is funny is because comedians make fun of something that generally is off taught, like you're not supposed to off limits, but there's a little bit of truth to it. So that's why people find it funny. Right. So a stereotype is generally kind of funny. It's kind of funny and it's something that everyone kind of has a common sense of Mm -hmm. that being somewhat true. Right. The key is, is taking the two things we just talked about, understand there's nuances, right? And there's context. And and, it's not always true. And it's not always true, right? And I think that's super important. Yeah. Okay. Mind trap number three, that's mental filter. Explain. 
So this is when you exclusively, like you take the negative aspect of a situation and you ignore the positive. And that can lead you to a sense of hopelessness and despair. And so this one's big because I think I see this most often where you talk to someone and they're telling you about something that really bad is going on in their life. And it is dragging them down to a place of of depression, right? Mm -hmm. And they're talking about like, how this is awful and you know and and it really centers on maybe a relationship they have with a family member or losing a job or whatever the case may be and then they paint every aspect of it as being negative mm-hmm. and they don't have the ability to pull any of the positive out and i think that that is something that's is really uh, hard for people and i think that sometimes people who have really low self image when you give them a compliment immediately they respond back with something negative about themselves, mm-hmm. right? To offset the good that you just gave it to erase it because for whatever reason, there's a certain level of value they, they're placing in the fact that they don't believe that their outfit is nice or they yeah. that they can pull it off. That what's more true is what's in their head. I feel like this mental filter is funny because it, it's true. Everyone has some sort of mental filter that they process things through. Right. Mm -hmm. I could give a bunch of examples, but they wouldn't be appropriate because we would out people. But someone recently was like, oh, the company we work for has now started coming down harder on certain people and people are getting upset because they're getting held accountable more. So they're going to start quitting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, they should quit. You don't want to be held accountable. You should quit. Like Everybody has a job where they should be accountable. So if you don't want to be held accountable, you shouldn't be working for that company anyways. But the person that told the story was like, well, it's kind of hard when someone's breathing down your neck. Are they really breathing down your neck? Or is it just that the company is saying, hey, we noticed that we're spending a ton of money in labor or we're not getting the productivity out of our employees that we need or... We've gotten some feedback from customers that we're not moving as quickly or serving as many customers as quickly. So we need to start paying attention to some things and we're going to start now. But so often employees are like, well, you would start now. Like, (laughs) lucky me, you know, now you're just going to make my job miserable. And to that, I say, go find another job then. Because part of being able to work for any successful company is knowing that that company has to ensure efficiency. Yeah. And I think that this is one of those things where if you move to a place of being hopeless, it's one of those things where it blocks you from dreaming big. It blocks you from aspiring for things because you are looking at your life in a state of there is no hope. Mm-hmm. There is nothing positive I can look at. And this one here is one of those things that moves you completely out of the moment and it and it blocks you from looking forward. And the only thing you have as reference is the past. And you are selecting the things in the past that are negative that make what you see right now hopeless. Yeah. And I think that if you're listening to this and you're finding yourself in a place where you don't see the positive, you have to pay attention to where your eyes are going. And your yeah. eyes are probably going in the rearview mirror and not looking t- towards the future. Yeah. Or you're taking what happened in the past and you're just painting the future with the same brush. Right. And that is a mistake. And I feel like this is a big one, though, mental filter. There's so many different examples that we can give. Like, so here's one. I baked a cake for a party. Everyone loved it. They said it was delicious, but my own sister didn't have a second helping. <laughs> what? Someone was telling us a story the other day about, you know, Um, their partnership. Like every time I go to the grocery store, my partner never offers to carry the groceries in the house for me. Yeah. And my thought was, well, do you 
tell them that that's something? Well, I shouldn't have to tell them, right? So your mental filter is really important. Like it's like a water filter. Yeah. You're putting all these thoughts through some sort of filter that literally only you have access to. And if you find yourself looking at the negative of situations, I feel like your filter might need to be changed. (laughs) It's like our water filter on our refrigerator, like the lights blinking. blinking Every time you go to get water, it blinks. It's like your smoke detector, right? Change the freaking filter. And if you change the filter, then maybe you would uh, redirect your thoughts to look at something more positive. And this next one, although it may sound the same, mm-hmm. it's very different. Okay. So this next one is about disqualifying the positive. Mm-hmm. And this one is important because this is when you discount positive experiences or accomplishments. So this is very specific and very similar to like we were just talking about one of the students and as if they don't count. Mm-hmm. And it leads to a sense of unworthiness. Mm-hmm. And so that's different than hopelessness, right? Hopelessness is like, I don't see any hope. I don't see, I, I don't have faith that things are going to turn around. Worthiness is like, I don't think I'm worth, even though mm-hmm. I have this accomplishment, I'm not worth sitting in it and, and being in that reward. And that is a very damaging thing. And that can lead to a negative self-image. Uh, and low, low self-esteem. So this reminds me of a friend that I have that every single time I compliment her, like if I say, oh my God, I love that dress on you. Oh, please. I ate a whole Chipotle burrito last night. I look like a blimp. Mm. I'm sorry, what? Like every single time I'd see her, she would like deflect the compliment and make it about, you know, something where she, and so one day I called her out on it and I said, do you know, you do this thing where any time I say something nice to you or complimentary, you make it a negative thing. And right. it's quite annoying, to be honest. And she was like, what? I don't do that. I said, you do. Let me tell you the last five times you've done that and how it can impact your friendships because I'm trying to bring joy to your life. Mm. I'm trying to compliment you. I'm trying to make you feel good. And I wouldn't lie to you. Like if the dress looked like shit, I'm not going to tell you it looks great on you. So every time I do it, though, you dismiss it. You talk badly about yourself. And I just want to know if you know that. And she was like, no, I didn't. I said, well, you need to work on that. (laughs) But like, I feel like I want a friend to tell me that about because you don't know that you're thinking or your thought process is going in that direction until someone tells you about it. Right. And that's a big one, because like, if if you don't feel like you have self-worth, then you're probably not going to really understand your value. And so when you communicate to the world in this world of social media or interviews, you're going to present yourself as a less than individual yeah, because you don't even think that you're worth wherever you're going for. And you may not even strive for things. And so both of those things are thinking traps, whether it be the mental filtering and then also disqualifying the, the positive. One that says, I have no future the other says, I don't even deserve not the worthy future. Of it. I'm not yeah. worthy of anything that comes good to my life for whatever reason. And that's a big one where I think you got to get therapy. Yeah. You got to really work on that because I think that people disqualify their uniqueness and the fact that, you know, that adage of like all the billion sperm cells and you were selected. Like, yeah. like that means that something about you is unique and special. You were yeah. the fastest swimmer. So an example of this would be um, an athlete scores a goal or makes a play or something, makes a shot. And instead of like, oh, yeah, good job. That was a great play. Someone's like, oh, well, the only reason I scored the goal is because the other team made a mistake. Mm. Like, I can't really relate to that. Can yeah. you? No, because I'm I'm patting my back, myself in the back yeah. for little things. You do pat yourself <laughs> on the back for little ass things. 
It's one of the things I love about you the most. It's also one of the most annoying things. It's like you give yourself so much credit. And I'm like, bro, you only got that goal because homeboy was sleeping on the goalie. The goalie was out to lunch. And you're like, my thought process is is if I don't give myself recognition, who will? Right. So. All right. The next thinking trap is jumping to conclusions. This one seems pretty basic, but what are some examples of this? It is basic. I mean, but it's a one that I think that can get you in a lot of trouble. And I think that you see something and you immediately make it something yeah. that it, it may not be. Yeah. Right. And that could be really about like missing the details mm-hmm. and it could lead to all the other things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I see something, you know, a person do something and I jump to conclusions on what Why their intent mm-hmm. was. Right. And then I start to make meaning and maybe I, I remove the positive. Yeah. And so a friend of mine does something to me and I jump to conclusions that their intent was to harm me yeah. and I don't deserve a good friend. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm in this really bad situation where like now I feel like it's me against the world. Yeah. I think I'm really good at like not jumping to conclusions because I feel like it's not my responsibility, right? I'll give you an example. I have a good girlfriend who about a year ago, she was saying like, none of my friends really want to hang out with me. I think it's because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, have you clarified that? And she's like, no. And I said, well, maybe they're just going through something on their own to where they just don't have time to reach out to you at this phase in their life. And she was like, all of them? I said, well, yeah, either that or maybe you are a raging bitch, right? (laughs) But I wouldn't jump to that conclusion if you don't recall being a raging bitch, right? And so she called like a week later and she said, you know what? I took what you said and I uh, reached out to one of the women on my own. And it turns out you're right. She was battling something major with her husband, like something big, right? Another one, she said, I reached out and she was like going through, like had just found out that someone was really, really sick in her family. I'm like, see, you made it about you. Mm. Like, oh, they're not reaching out to you because you must have done something. I don't have time to be connecting dots, imaginary dots. Like that's just like extra thinking and like wasting time that I just need to get to the bottom of it and figure out like, hey, you haven't called. Is there a problem? Like, did I do something? But I don't have time to jump to conclusions and pretend to be a mind reader. I just find it so unhelpful. And you talked about that, like, it's kind of the same line where you talk to friends and you were talking, like, catching up with them. You say, why didn't you reach out? And they were like, oh, you just seem so busy. Yeah, people do that to me all the time. I'm going to tell you, stop jumping to conclusions (laughs) because I'm over here lonely as shit, right? (laughs) But my girlfriends have done that in the past. Like, oh, I I didn't invite you because I just, you're always so busy. Girl, you're not in my Google calendar. What are you talking about? Well, you know, you always got stuff that you're posting. You're here, you're there. And I go, that's social media. Right. Like, I have a team that helps me with that. Like, this is my job. And so... Don't assume that you know what's going on. I just really am not a big fan of jumping to conclusions because I think it creates a bunch of unnecessary havoc that you should just try to like eliminate that thought, that um, trap. Yeah. You should just. 100%. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. I have a lot to say about that. I have so many examples. Another example, just quickly. There's a house around the corner in our neighborhood that I'm just going to tell you has always looked like shit. Mm -hmm. Like the front yard, it's just like a dump. And every time I walk past it, it's easy for me to be like, God, why don't they fix their lawn? Like it just looks like shit, right? Right. 
So lately, in the last maybe six months, I've always seen the woman out there like doing yard work. And I'm like, wow, she's really turning this shit around. Like it looks great, right? But are they new owners? Like I don't know. I just assumed maybe it's a new owner. So Jordan and I are on a walk the other day. And all of a sudden, this house, we hit the corner and it's beautiful. Like the landscaping's incredible. And so I told Jordan, I was like, look at this lawn. Like, look at this yard. And she goes, wow, it's really nice. So I see the woman. I waved to her and I said, your yard is looking really amazing. And she goes, oh, my God, let me tell you. Marches herself over to us and she said, a couple years ago, we put all this money into making it really beautiful. We cut out the sidewalk, got rid of the concrete, and we made it all grass thinking that it was really pretty. And the city came and gave us a ticket. Mm. Like they cited us because we had removed like the sidewalk and just made it grassy, thinking that it was adding value to like the neighborhood. She said, my husband got so pissed off that we just let the whole yard go to shit for like Mm. the last five years. And she said, now I'm just I'm trying to slowly convince him like, hey, let's be over it. Let's not hold a grudge. I'm going to start like making it beautiful again. So she tells us this story and I go, what are the fucking random? How that is so weird, right? Right, Like, And so I said, this is why, Jordan, you can never like assume anything because this woman at one point had a beautiful yard, was trying to like prove a point. And all along, and she sh- was just the city, mad. The city shut her down. Right. But all along, she had the capability of having a beautiful yard, but it wasn't what you thought. You right. thought that someone was just being negligent and like, right. oh, they don't care about the they neighborhood. Deli- <laughs> she literally cared about the neighborhood and got penalized. It's <laughs> a weird it. way to show it, though. I mean, uh, the, point, the point is, story. it is, it is. The point is made. However, can I just tell you? We're not, not going to sacrifice our yeah, lawn to, we're not. <laughs> to teach somebody a lesson that doesn't care. But the point I, is, is if I would have judged her and be like, that's that bitch right, with the terrible right, yard, right. Then, like it wouldn't have been accurate. Right, right. So so this one, uh, the next one is, is is about magnification and minimization. And mm-hmm. one of the things I think is really interesting about this is if you ever have someone that takes a small situation and makes a mountain mm-hmm. out of a molehill, I call it majoring in the minors, mm-hmm. right? So something really small that they just blow up and yeah. make it more impactful, more yeah. important than what it really should be. And then you have on the flip side, someone that diminishes everything and minimizes it all for whatever reason. I think people would say that about me. What like oftentimes when people make a mountain out of a molehill, I'm like, right now that seems like that's a level three and you're making it a level 13. Right. And it's too much. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> And I think sometimes like really big things have happened to us in our life, like big catastrophic things. And as soon as we get over the like freak out phase and like, is this really happening in times of distress? You and I have looked at each other and said, is this really fucking happening? And we will laugh about it. Right. And so I think that people could say that we minimize Mm -hmm. things. And I think that that's subjective, right? Yeah. I mean, we've had situations in our family, like big things have happened. I won't mm-hmm. out anyone. But what has been the most hurtful is that the person minimizes it, right? right? And they make it like it's insignificant, yeah. right? And then on the flip side, we've had situations where the smallest thing happens and this person- yeah. You're like, holding a grudge for like yeah. 18 years. And then you maximize it and you make it bigger than what it really needs to be. Yeah. You create all this meaning mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden- the people around you have no clue that no. you're doing all these things in your mind, right. yet they're seeing the aftermath yeah. of it. They're seeing all the things that kind of come along with that. 
And I think that that's super important. So I think when you think about this, if you're trying to catch yourself, you've got to say, like, in the grand scheme of this thing, like, how important is this? Mm-hmm. How much time and energy should I give it? And then should I be impacting everyone around me by making this event bigger than it yeah. is? I think you need to ask yourself what level is required right now. Right. Like how, what level of emotions are required for this particular situation? An example of that would be a funeral. Mm-hmm. You go to a funeral and I've heard people say before, well, I have to be really sad. You know, I, I've got to make myself cry. And I'm like, You actually don't. I mean, you don't want to walk in like bobbing your head to some music. Hey, what's up? Like you probably don't want to do that, like match the energy. But you also don't have to like maximize your emotions because of this, right? I don't know. There's a million different ways I can talk about this. Can I also say a toxic trait of mine is exactly what you're saying, like the minimizing something that does require, it it warrants more. Like let's say you had a falling out with a family member and it was warranted, something big happened. My toxic trait is I want to get to the bottom of it. I want us to have some sort of resolution. I want us to talk it through. I want us to agree that feelings were hurt, acknowledge each other's feelings. And then I want to move on and like smooth things over. I do not want to see you four years later, hug you at a funeral and act like everything's okay. Right. I'm not okay with that. That's not holding a grudge to me. That's like now I'm being pressured or pushed into having to just minimize and dismiss this. Unresolved. Yeah. I don't like unresolved unresolved. issues. And like, it's interesting. I'm going to read this part of his, where it talks about like, this involves overestimating or underestimating the importance of a certain event or aspects in one's life. And I think that this is like one of those things, sometimes we do this to each other, right? So something happens in someone's life and we may look at it and say, oh, that's not a big deal. Right. To them, it's like, this is a big deal, right? And so I think that from a social standpoint, I think you have to help people with with gaining some more clarity and accuracy of what this means. But I think we can sometimes push maximizing and minimizing on things with people or something happens and people go, oh, like, (laughs) you know, we were watching um, Shrinking, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a point where he goes, you know, yeah, and someone's like, they're at a party and someone's like, oh, yeah, I I got a divorce. He goes, no, no, (laughs) no. Like he goes into this whole thing. He starts making it bigger than really, really is right now. But he maximizes it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I thought that was really funny. Yep. And so to close things out, uh, the last one is really about emotional reasoning. And Mm -hmm. this is when uh, we let our emotions guide our thinking rather than relying on facts and evidence. Mm. And I think that this kind of takes all of the things and and really summarizes it really well, because everything we talked about right now is all about inaccurate thinking. And it's all about not getting into the details, like, Like when people jump to conclusions, not looking and saying, hey, let me go seek to understand to find out the details of this so that I don't overestimate Mm -hmm. or jump to conclusions. Right. And so I think that those things are super important. But also when you when you have emotional reasons, reasoning, you get impulsive. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's one of the things I think is is a good strength that we have. I wouldn't say that we're impulsive people, but I think that we know people that are really emotionally impulsive. Mm -hmm. Right. They move 
strictly on emotion yeah. and they never stop to say, is this fact? Right. Is this real? Right. Like what, what, what is it to this? Just making all these decisions based, based on how they feel about something. And it's like, mm, let's get some facts first. Cause right. we don't actually know if that's what happened. Then they start like doing deductive reasoning. Well, what else could it have been? Right. And I'm like, it could have been a million other things. Like, I don't think we go to the worst case scenario and then blame this person for it and blow everything up. Let's just take a couple steps back and see if maybe they meant something different. One of the phrases we like to use is like, we just, we're going to always assume positive intent. Right. I'm going to assume that you didn't mean to be all out asshole and like do this on purpose. So if I assume that there's positive intent, then I would come and talk to you rationally. And then if you say, oh yeah, I'm just an asshole. That's why I did that. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. I'm here for at, it then. At least I know. At least I, I know. I think that, you know, for someone who's listening to this that may say, well, what about like just your emotions, right? And again, it's okay to have emotions. Yeah. But what you want to do is make sure you're checking yourself and saying, did this type of thinking lead me here? And is there another perspective? Am I missing something? Is there details missing? Am I removing the positive? Am I jumping am I to conclusion? Yeah. Am I exaggerating? Mm -hmm. Am I doing all these things that will lead me to a kind of trap thinking? And then now I'm in this place where I'm emotionally charged and I'm irrational. Yeah. Right. And I think that if you're irrational, like that's where you lead to a lot of pain and suffering that you can create for yourself. And we've and talked about it before, but I think that, you know, the negative thinking definitely impacts like your marriage. It impacts yeah. how you parent. It impacts your just emotional well being. Right. Example, like if I feel like, you're not really helping very often with the kids rather than saying like, hey, I need us to come together and figure out a better way to be a team. Right. If I say, you know, you never change the baby's diaper and you never take the trash out and you never this, the only thing you're going to be hearing is like, that's not true because I did it last Tuesday. Right. Even though you missed the last five times, you did do it last Tuesday. So I would be wrong. It's not that you never do it. It's that I'm choosing to go crazy now because that's how I feel. Or if I do something in a relationship and you jump to a conclusion that I did it because you were I don't trying to hurt me. Yeah, I'm trying to hurt you. I don't love you yeah. or like all these different things. Those are things that are really detrimental to a relationship. Yes. And so people that are listening right now, like really assess like what things in your relationship are you jumping to conclusions? And if, is there a question that you can ask yourself that says, yeah, I may not be right about this, right? right? I may not know what that person's thinking. Mm -hmm. I may not know what the, the intentions are. I may be doing some negative thinking. I Yes, the person took the trash out, but am I just deleting all the times they took initiative to do yeah. certain other things in the house that are really special and important to me? And this is the thing I'm just deciding to hang on to. Yeah. Like those are things you've really got to like really think about it. So hope you listen to this episode and, and pull some things out where you say, God, I might be doing this yep. or... How do I get my spouse to, to listen to this so that we can come together? Because I think there's times where they're, they're doing this or deleting positive yeah. things or whatever the case may and be. And I think it's good for us to all understand like we're all works in progress all the time. There's going to be different situations. And if it's your first time going through something like that, you're going to have to maybe go through a couple of the things on this list and say, okay, is my mental filter actually working right now? Right. Am I overgeneralizing? Like, how am I looking at this wrong? I do think one of the things that we do well, because we are guilty of everything on here, but one of the things we do well is I'll come to you and say, am I wrong in thinking this? Like, this is where my brain is going, you know, and you'll right. say, well, consider this or look at it this way. Right. Did you talk to the person? Did you 
And so I think we do a good job at keeping each other sane. Yeah. And getting you to process through a different mental filter. So 100%. maybe some of you just need to change your filter. The light's blinking. <laughs> the door is is making noise. Right. Just go change your water filter and your thinking filter and things will be a lot better. Yeah. And if you're finding yourself stuck in any part of aspect of life, it's probably because of you have this line thinking. of, yeah, you have stinking thinking, oh, yeah. but something, thinking. <laughs> something, some type of trap you've led yourself into that has really gotten you to a place where you can't move. And, and you may be feeling hopeless. You may not be feeling that you're worth whatever yeah. the rewards are, but you got to get in there and you got to dig that out and, and figure it out and move to a positive place. Yep. Love it. So if you're feeling stuck in a rut, hopefully this helps you. And if you would take 30 seconds to leave a rating and a review for us, we'd love to hear back from you and let us know what you want us to talk about in future episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. All right. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review you leave your handle and until next time push through